the most connected man in Washington, WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain, 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are Saving the greatest country in the world is not a short-term proposition, folks. We can save this great nation, but it's going to take all of us. Why? Because we are America. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts. And help you set the record straight. Because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better USA. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Kane and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Herman. Happy Monday to you, buddy. Thank you, and to you also. Jason Shevitz is now in the House Speaker race. Yeah, uh, the chairman of the Government uh, uh, Oversight Committee, Chaffetz, uh, last week caught a lot of attention because he really called out uh, Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I've really been struck how much McCarthy's comments about Hillary Clinton and the Benghazi investigation have worked against him in Republican circles. I think there's the feeling that McCarthy maybe is not ready for, you know, prime time in a sense, Herman, and that this was one, you know, you make any misstep these days and everybody jumps on you, even in your own party. Yeah. And Chaffetz uh, met with reporters a little while ago and amplified what he said over the weekend, and I think it's what a lot of people here are wondering on the ground in the Capitol, is, okay, McCarthy can probably win. He's the favorite right now to win the nomination from the Republicans for Speaker. But will the sort of the more conservative Tea Party guys defect and not vote for him on the floor of the House? Remember, it's not that they would elect Nancy Pelosi. It's just that they would deny Kevin McCarthy a majority of the votes, and you'd have to go to additional ballots, raising the chance that somebody else would get in there. Uh, Chaffetz is arguing that there's no way McCarthy can get to 218 votes on the floor of the House. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I do think there is a risk there. And so with the election being this Thursday, Chaffetz is now in, along with McCarthy and uh, Republican Dan Webster of Florida, who still seems like a long shot, though he has picked up some backing from some of the members of the House Freedom Caucus. So you now have three people in the race for Speaker. I know it's late, but it still wouldn't shock me if somebody else gets in, Herman and tries to make the argument, like Chaffetz, that McCarthy just cannot get the number of votes needed to become Speaker. Frankly, I'm not sure anybody can get to 218 right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, I find it really, we were just talking about this in the press gallery here, the, the Tea Party Freedom Caucus guys, they, they're really in a great situation because they just sort of sit back right now and say, no, I don't like him, I don't like him, I don't like him. And they haven't put anybody of their own up. Why? Well, they know that they can't win. They, they don't have the votes. But they're not in any mode to compromise and get on board with anybody. And so the entire GOP having a a difficulty rallying around one candidate for speaker. If somebody else wanted to jump in, who has the authority to change the voting date? Uh, Well, I mean, the speaker could change the voting date, but I don't think he's going to change that. But if any, listen, I think, you know, to me, this is also a story of missed opportunities or people who just don't want the job for whatever reason. I think Paul Ryan, the former vice presidential candidate with Mitt Romney, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, frankly, if he wanted to run for speaker, I think he could win. 
Uh, I think there's a number of other top Republicans well-regarded, but for whatever reason, they're all saying, oh, not me. Nope, nope, I'm not getting in. Now, is that a review of sort of where we are right now with Republicans, that they look at this leadership thing and see it as a no-win kind of thing? I mean, Probably, yeah. I was told by one Republican that he went to McCarthy right after Boehner announced that he was not running and told McCarthy, do not run for speaker. And the response was, well, why? Because it's going to it's going to eat you alive and probably knock you out. Wow. And so, you know, I, I think there's this feeling almost within the Republican side that that group on the right, the Tea Party and Freedom Caucus guys, are just so ungovernable at this point in time, even within their own party that it's almost impossible to envision getting to 218 and becoming speaker. Now we'll we'll just have to see what happens over. So we'll have the 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 timing is right right now this is the timing Herman. Thursday will be the Republican vote, just Republicans behind closed doors. Right. Then at a de- date to be determined, then they'll go to the floor and actually try to elect McCarthy as the next speaker. Uh you know when that happens then all bets could be off. And so they hold the Republican vote to make sure that they've got... It's like getting an, it's yeah. like a nominating yeah. kind of convention, in a sense. So they all gather. I mean, usually what you do, obviously, is your party nominates somebody, and then everybody supports that person. Right, right. But we've seen the last two times for the Republicans that a number of people have refused to back Speaker Boehner. If they'd had a few more back in January, they could have denied him a victory on the floor of the House. And then, you know, if that happens, the can of worms is open, and then all hell breaks loose, basically. I mean, we haven't had a second ballot, I think, since 1920 or something like that. Because they just keep moving them up the line. Well, and that's one thing. Listen, that's I I think for some, they look at this and say, well, uh, there's problems here that they feel like in the leadership. Why should we just elevate the next guy and step up a notch? And, you know, the number two goes to number one, number three goes to number You know, I think there are some people look at that as sort of madness. On the other hand, we haven't seen anybody that's become sort of the the outsider candidate. I mean, even the Tea Party guys, when I've interviewed them and interviewed a bunch more on Friday— there was no consensus amongst them as to who they should support, and I think that's sort of interesting. Yep, and uh, they got a lot of politicking to do between now and Thursday. Well, I, sure I, they you do. You know, I don't know either one of them well enough to say I prefer this one over this one over that one. I did talk with a member of Congress over the weekend who happens to be part of the Tea Party Caucus, and one thing that he assured me of was that they were going to stick together. So those that are going to try to fracture the Tea Party block, as you call it, uh, I got the feeling that they're going to stick together, even if, no matter what. Now, that well, then they can play kingmaker if they yeah, want. I yeah. mean, listen, they had the chance, you know, for all the, the belly aching about how Speaker Boehner supposedly has not been aggressive enough and he right. should have done X and should have done Y. Let's remember, the Tea Party guys had the chance in January of this year and in January of 2013 to knock Boehner out. They didn't do it. Uh, a bunch of them backed off at the last minute and got yeah. cold feet. So they talk about sticking together. We'll see if that happens on the floor. I mean, if they're not going to vote for McCarthy, then they may as well not even have that vote on the floor of the House because he won't get to, to a majority of 218 votes. As Representative Louis Goldman told me one time when I was talking with him, he didn't want to be in charge of Kool-Aid doing the breaks. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't get any juicy committee assignments. You know, and listen, the, the House of Representatives is like any organization. Yeah. There are some people who gravitate to leadership and to leading. There are some people who want to st- stand in the back and say nasty things and, and throw bombs. There are some people that want to do the grunt work down in the details and everything like that. And there's some people who are show horses. And, you know... Uh, there's a lot of argument to be made that the reason you have the leadership there is because that's the organizational structure to it. 
So we'll see what happens this week. I, I don't think there's any slam dunk. One note about no. uh, Chaffetz is that, remember last week we got that story out, the uh, the Department of Homeland Security had investigated the leaks out of the Secret Service about Chaffetz right. in an effort to get back at him. And in that report, I remember very clearly reading that how they talked about the Secret Service director had been seemingly, he hadn't heard about it. And this was another example of how all these people knew about this stuff inside the Secret Service, and yet the Secret Service chief seemed to be off in his own little area and didn't know. And then, a couple hours after that report was released, well, then the Secret Service chief admitted, no, he had heard about it. Oh, But he really? just didn't remember that when investigators <laughs> had talked to him about it. And so now, in the, just the last few minutes, the Department of Homeland Security uh, Inspector General has announced that he is reopening his investigation into these allegations that a number of agents had wrongly accessed this internal database to find out stuff about Chaffetz, who had applied for the job a uh, job as a Secret Service agent many, many years ago and did not get it. And now Clancy, Joseph Clancy, the Secret Service chief, has said he has a, quote, different recollection of the events than he, than he had given <laughs> to the IG. Well, this raises questions about the truthfulness of the Secret Service chief. And so, uh, you know, this story just never seems to end of troubles over at the Secret Service. Who's head of it? Clancy? Yeah, Joseph Clancy Joseph is his Clancy. name. Yeah, he wow. was brought in by the president uh, earlier this year. Remember, he was earlier in the year just run over the coals by Chaffetz and other uh, lawmakers on the House Government Oversight Committee. And during that hearing, there were people trolling into the database to find out stuff about uh, Chaffetz. And there's even an email from a top guy talking about maybe it's time to release some bad stuff about him. So, you know, when you have when you're a member of Congress and you're fighting to do oversight, this is what I always say. I think that members of Congress make such a big mistake in not considering the executive branch their enemy all the time. Not just when the other party holds the presidency, but all the time. Because those people are in there, you know, they're the bureaucracy, and they're going to do almost anything they can to fight the legislative branch. Unbelievable. What about, what is this teachers' union story? Is that something going to the Supreme Court? Yeah, the, the court's term is beginning today for the 2015-16 term. The, you know, the usual Ray Herman of big cases on things like voting rights, affirmative action. There's nothing right now in the Obama health law, but there'll be a bunch of big stories. But one of the biggest political stories is one about public sector unions. So this is unions for uh, government workers. And in this case, it's a teachers' union case from California. There were a group of public school teachers who, uh, who they don't want to be part of the union, the teachers' union. Right. But you can't just sort of opt out of everything if your job is unionized like that. You still have to pay what's known as the fair share fee for being represented by the union's bargaining union. Because remember, you're getting the pay and the benefits that are being negotiated by the teachers' union. So for many years, that has been sort of the tacit agreement. You don't have to pay some fees, but you do have to pay one fair share fee. And so now this case comes to the high court with these teachers saying, look, I don't want to be in the union. I shouldn't have to pay anything to be in this. And of course, the unions say, well, if you allow people to opt out like that, like has happened in Wisconsin in the wake of Scott Walker's efforts there, it'll totally undermine 
the unions. And so this is a big case. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously uh, it, it may not be as, as large to the, the life or death of some of these unions as they say, but I think it would be another big blow to the unions, this at the U.S. Supreme Court, if they were able to overturn a past ruling called the Abood ruling and then say the people who are in these uh, jobs don't have to go along in the government sector and the public sector unions and pay these dues. Isn't that kind of similar to what happened in Wisconsin? It's very similar. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's the same kind of thing. And so that's why, you know, there's been signals from this court in recent years that they're ready for this kind of case. Uh, so this could be a tough one for the unions and a big victory, obviously, for a lot of uh, Republican uh, uh, Republican officials who say that, uh, like Scott Walker had, that it's time to undercut, you know, and, and save money and find ways to, to cut out the unions. We'll be looking for your analysis of the house speaker race tomorrow because it's going to get gooder and gooder yeah i think uh, i'm going to be uh doing a lot of checking the traps around the halls this week herman <laughs> you got it thanks See jamie you,